This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. What topic do we have lined up for the audience, Kyle? We're going to talk about where can you find money to get your IBC policy started? I mean, this is a question we get all the time. People, they're interested. They um, want to start implementing IBC, but then they don't know where they're going to get the money from. Uh, and I would say... Um, I would say this is probably a little more common, especially with younger people, but it can, I mean, this is, can absolutely be for people in their 40s and 50s too. Definitely. And I think some people expect us to go through every dollar that they have financially and be like, oh, here's a dollar here, here's a dollar here. And that's not something we do, you know? No. So um, we can, we can find different places. Like, I mean, when we have a meeting with you, we talk about loans that you have and other things like that. And if you have a mortgage and you're overpaying on that mortgage to try to get it down. I mean, in this inflationary environment, is there really a need to pay down a 30 year mortgage? It's at, you know, 3% interest, you know? So just things like that. Or if you have loans that are coming up in the near future, I mean, if you're accustomed to paying that amount already, I mean, that could be transferred into a policy there too. Sure. And I, I would say that we also need to look at those things because we may just have to tell you guys hey you're not in a place that you can get started right now yeah that is something that we do and probably most people are like why why would you do something like that's how you guys make money oh definitely i mean i i know that people when they first come into this they can get really excited they want to talk to us they want to see you know how this works they might have some questions about policies and and all that's that's good but at the end of the day there has to be money you have to be cash flow positive to be able to get started. And if you go, you know, back to becoming your own banker, Parkinson's law is expenses rise to equal income. And I heard Nelson put it in an even better way. And it's expenses rise to exceed income. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's human nature to spend every single dollar that's in our own personal economy. And it can creep on you, creep up on you pretty fast to where you don't really realize that, Hey, (laughs) this is, this is getting out of control. Yeah. It's pretty easy to swipe a credit card, get online, mm-hmm. you know, buy some personal items that, you know, they don't do anything to produce income typically. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, all that stuff creeps up on you fast. I mean, look at gas prices this year. I mean, the amount that I'm spending in fuel now, which I mean, I have to, but it's it's just crazy. But you just swipe the card and then you see it. Then I'm like, wow. <laughs> Last know? year, um, my fiance, her... Uh, her grandparents live in Missouri, and they they bought gas for under a dollar last year. <laughs> it was like ninety nine or ninety five cents. I can't remember exactly, but it was insane. Wow! And now we're what over three bucks. Now. Yeah. So, anyways, that was a little side tangent, but um, uh, should we get started? Like our our process, Kyle. Like, what do we what we need to do to walk through with people? Yeah. Okay. The very first thing when we sit down with you is we have to look at what your goals are financially. We need to, we need to look at near term first, what's coming up soon for you. Mm -hmm. And then we need to start thinking long term. We need to think, 
where are you going to be in 10, 20 years? For some people, they don't know that, but um, it's really important to start looking at near-term goals financially to get started. And then understand this is a long-term thing. And even if you don't know what's going to happen long-term, I mean, this is extremely flexible, so it really doesn't. The policy itself isn't going to affect you long-term in that way, in a negative way. Right, in a negative way. So, So, I think we should share a story, Kyle, to kind of give people perspective here of of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's been a while now, I guess, maybe eight months or so, maybe a year even. Um, We were talking to a young man that worked at a John Deere dealership. And uh, he was contributing to the company 401k, um, but he definitely doesn't see that as a long-term deal, wants to be at the farm in four to five years. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to get something figured out to produce income when he comes back to the farm, whether he he custom does something, whether he buys some cattle, rents some land, you know, whatever that is for him. Yep. Well... There's kind of a little contradiction there because of the penalties and restrictions to use money from a, that you contribute to a 401k. That might be better. I mean, even just putting a savings account in his instance, I mean, an, an IBC policy would probably be better, but even a savings account would probably be better in his instance. To get than, some liquidity? Yeah, than, the, than a qualified plan. Well, yeah, I mean, that qualified plan, market's been great, you know, as of late. So that money's going up in that plan but your access is awful i mean to put it bluntly it's it's awful and if you're not putting your money into a place to help you do what you want to do in the future that's a that's a really big contradiction in my in my mind and i think it's probably just not being conscious of that you know it's the employer tells you that oh yeah this is great like why would you not want to do a 401k and things like that. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is just this is just what people do. And and you talk to everybody at the job and yeah. you know, everybody's doing it. Oh, my 401k is great. You know, it's yeah. So And for some people, I mean, if you plan on being at that job and that's what you want to do, you know, be an eight to five person, you know, that that is a whole lot better for you than not doing anything. It definitely is. Sure. So we can't rag on it too much, but I mean, we got to look at the fact of what do you want to do in the future, and yeah. are, is what are your actions helping you to get there? If you want to be an entrepreneur, own your own stuff. Like, look at look at the the, the successful entrepreneurs out there. How many of those guys have four hundred one ks? I mean, very little to none. A lot of them probably make so much money that they can't even contribute to some of those plans. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's definitely there. I guess the bigger point to take home there is. They're they're letting their actions help them get towards their goals instead of mm-hmm. you know hindering them potentially. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's where we got to be conscious of long term goals, and that's how you know we we start the the system to because that's what this is is to IBC policies are long term plans to help us you know reach our goals throughout our life. So for sure. Okay. Um, next thing we kind of, we kind of jumped right into this at the beginning of the podcast, but what about the debt? Mm -hmm. What do the numbers look like? Where's money going? What things do you have to pay for? 
you know, a lot of people we talk to have student loan debt, um, credit card debt sometimes. We got to look at all those things. Yeah. And consumer debt, it is really hard. I, I haven't found a situation yet for people that we've worked with where I thought it was a better idea for them to start a policy than it was to pay off their consumer debt yet. Me either, yeah. There's just, there is so much uncertainty around that consumer debt. And it is so different than something that you purchase with debt to provide cash flow. And it's also oftentimes at a higher interest rate too. Definitely. You, Kyle, it's hard for us, even the best design policy we can do, you're not going to have as much money up front as what you've put into it. Yeah. If you have some credit card debt, I mean, that that stuff could be, I don't know, as high as probably 24-ish percent, probably. You definitely, it is in your best interest to take care of that. First, yes. First, before you get started. Let's get your, let's get your financial house in order, get a... Get that stuff taken care of before we add something else to your life where you're going to be making payments from. Yeah, it's liquid, but it's just not the right place to start. And I know some people use credit cards to start um, businesses because maybe their credit isn't as good to you know to get a traditional loan or loans or whatever. And I mean that stuff isn't the end of the world. I guess if you're, I mean the interest rates may be high, but if you're you know starting something. To build a business, you know, that's that's a little different, you know, to create cash flow. But most times you need to get that credit card debt paid off. And I know you can see videos on YouTube about people starting policies to pay down some of this high consumer debt and stuff like that. It just to us, there's way too much risk versus reward for doing something like that. Definitely. Even if you would squeak out a thousand bucks, was it was it worth it? I don't know. There's gonna be some stress there. Definitely. I mean, you're I'm guessing for most people, I'm painting with broad strokes here, but I'm guessing for most people, if you're in that situation, you're probably tight on cash flow anyways. Yeah. You need to have a cushion, you know, and be cash flow positive to get an IBC policy up and going. And also to stick with IBC, keep you know, keep it going to really reap the benefits later on. Like you gotta be disciplined as well. And that, I mean, where did that debt come from? Yeah. Was it because of of bad discipline and you were purchasing things that you didn't need? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but I mean, those are things that definitely cross my mind and I talk to people about because I don't want you to start this policy and quit. Exactly. It's not, I mean, it's going to do no good for you. You're going to, you're going to lose money doing that. So this is all about making money. It's going to do no good for you, and you're not going to appreciate what I did. No. Um, in the aftermath either. So that that's, I mean, building on what we started at the, at the beginning of the podcast, that's stuff that we really have to look look at closely. Yeah. Um, next thing is, what do you do with your cash flow right now? Like Kyle said in the beginning, do you have a, a mortgage that you're overpaying on? Does it make sense to do that? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't. And to, like Kyle said, our inflationary environment today. Also, you can potentially refinance for things below three. Yeah. Some people are refinancing on 15-year mortgages for under 2%. Yeah. And I mean, it's <laughs> unreal. That'd be something that you could take advantage of, and then you could take that 
you know, those savings and stick those in a policy. And and this is something too that I don't think people think about, but a mortgage is a tremendous hedge against inflation. Yeah. With with how our economy works, okay? If you have a mortgage for $100,000 on a property, in our inflationary environment, your house is appreciating in value. While that's happening, money is being printed and dollars are worth less in the economy, but you have that mortgage um, payment locked in. Mm-hmm. So you're using weaker dollars today, so you have more of them than you would have because they're weaker, to pay off something that is not growing in size every month. Well, yeah, and even right now, the government, I think they're admitting to around 5% in current inflation, which we both know is quite a bit higher than that if you look at things. And so look at think, how many dollars have been printed in the last, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, since COVID has it, happened, basically. Absolutely freaking insane. But, um, and I would say that number, but I don't have it in front of me. But if you look at that, if you have a mortgage at 3% interest and inflation's at 5%, why, that, why would you want to pay that off sooner? Absolutely. I mean, think of, um, think of what $100 is to you right now, and in 20 years, I mean, I don't know, but if we continue on the inflationary path that we're on, that's going to be what we purchase meals for when we go out. Yeah, you're going to need a wheelbarrow full of cash to buy <laughs> a Big Mac. <laughs> And I don't know if you've noticed, Kyle, but um, when we buy loaves of bread this year, the loaves of bread are tiny. <laughs> the price hasn't changed, but there is not as much in that sack. Well, yeah, we stopped at a gas station recently, and somebody was bought a pop, and it was like two fifty for a bottle, a twenty ounce bottle of pop. <laughs> it's nuts. So it's absolutely happening, and I oh mean, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's crazy. Something you should be aware of. Definitely. So. Um, I guess the mortgage is just a really simple thing to think of mm-hmm. um, when we think about where cash flows are going right now. Um, but those are things that we got to be cognizant of. And then it's also good. We need to know, you know, whether you have periods of time where you're, you're cash flowing really good and other times where you're not, you know, farming can be an instance mm-hmm. where that happens. Or are you somebody that just gets paychecks every couple of weeks, you yeah. know? Um, those are good things to know too. And we can set up, you know, the, the premium payments, you know, around that and it can be changed throughout the year. And so, yeah, basically, I mean, I, I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of things on these policies, you don't have to decide forever how you're going to do it the day you apply for the policy. The only thing really changed. Yeah. The only thing really is the maximum amount that you can pay in is what's going to be decided on the, definitely on day one. So. Okay. And I mean, the probably the last and most important point of all of this is how bad do you want to become your own banker? How bad do you want this to happen? Because we cannot instill this desire for you. You have to have it. I mean, this can intrigue you and stuff like that, but you, you really got to want it to see it. If you've read Becoming Your Own Banker uh, by Nelson Nash, I mean, he, he got himself into a pickle financially. Um, and through analyzing his situation and, and lots of prayer, as he says, um, he was able to figure a way out of it. But I love this quote from him, from him. He said, there has got to be some honest introspection at this point and a commitment to get out of financial prison must be a burning passion. Absolutely. If you truly want this and truly want to be, a, be your own banker and just 
in control of the banking function, the process of, of taking care of your cash flow, it's going to have to be a burning passion. Mm-hmm. Kyle and I aren't there yet. We're working at it. Yep. But yeah, it's not something that happens immediately. No. And you have, to, you have to realize that. I mean, otherwise it could be discouraging. You, you know, you read the book, get excited. Oh, I'm done with banks, whatever. Oh my goodness, this would take me 30 years to ever accomplish this. Yeah. I mean, it, it might. Yeah, I mean. Is it that big I, of a deal, though? Yeah, I think it took Nelson 13 years, I want to say, Something like to pay off the snakes and dragons, as he called it, the banks. And it's going to depend for everybody what situation you're in. I mean, people sitting with a lot of cash and who don't have that many cap, high capital expenses, I mean, you can do it a lot sooner than probably people like us. So Yeah, and, and I just want to make my point clear here. I mean, I I do think what banks do is evil, printing money and and uh, they're loaning money that they don't even have. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd go to prison if we did that, Kyle. Yeah. But I am not going to let that take away the fact that they're helping me to get to accomplish my financial goals. And maybe we could I'm do. I'm not going to let that stop me. Maybe we could do a pod, a podcast on that that talks about you know how how banking actually works and how things have changed since. 1913 when the Federal Reserve, because I don't think a lot of people understand that. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we just think is normal now. Like inflation didn't used to happen. Like, and inflation kills mostly the poor and the middle class. You know, it's it's the rich that benefit it because they own all the assets that appreciate. Just a couple years ago, um, I was in a pickup um, riding with somebody, and. We're in a little bit of an argument, and I told him we aren't on the gold standard anymore, and and he just couldn't believe that, and he had to look up and go back, and of course we had smartphones, so we got on Google, and yeah, we're we're not on the gold standard anymore. No, we're on the money printer go burr standard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyways, I I think that's all I got for this episode, Kyle. Yeah, so hopefully you guys got something from this. If you have any questions about how to get started or you guys want to do a meeting to see what something will look like for you, reach out to us. Okay, that sounds good. And I would just add, read Becoming Your Own Banker. Absolutely. So, all right, until next week, guys. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.